Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of primary amenorrhea from the gynecology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 17-year-old female presents to the pediatrician with a concern of not yet beginning menses. Her friends in high school have already begun menses a few years ago, and this brings the patient great distress. She reports being sexually active and uses condoms consistently. She does not use any other form of contraception. She denies pelvic pain. On physical exam, there is normal breast development, however, her uterus is not palpable. This is confirmed by pelvic ultrasound. Karyotype returns as 46XX and serum testosterone level is appropriate for a female. This patient was diagnosed with malarian agenesis. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, Primary amenorrhea is defined as absence of menarche by the age of greater than or equal to 15 years old, and specifically with normal secondary sexual characteristics and normal growth, or greater than or equal to 13 years with the absence of secondary sexual characteristics. In terms of the etiology of primary amenorrhea, most cases are due to genetic causes or anatomical abnormalities. Examples include gonadal dysgenesis, for example, Turner syndrome, malarian agenesis, for example, an absent uterus and vagina, physiological delay of puberty, polycystic ovarian syndrome, hypopituitarism, and androgen insensitivity syndrome. And know that complete androgen insensitivity syndrome will have 46XY karyotype, male gonads, and external female characteristics such as breasts, vulva, short vagina, absent cervix uterus, and no minimal axillary or pubic hair. In terms of general principles about primary amenorrhea, know that etiologies can be divided by issues involving the hypothalamus, pituitary, ovaries, uterus, and vagina. Moving on to the presentation of primary amenorrhea, symptoms will include absence of menses. There are many causes of primary amenorrhea, and depending on the cause, it may affect clinical presentation. For example, patients with malarian agenesis may have an absent uterus on physical exam. Another clinical presentation may be a transverse vaginal septa present with normal pubertal development and a normal uterus slash ovaries. Moving on to the evaluation of primary amenorrhea, in a patient with primary amenorrhea and an increased FSH, the next step in management is karyotyping. Pelvic ultrasound is also needed to determine the presence of a uterus. The differential diagnosis for primary amenorrhea include pregnancy, contraceptive use, and remember to be sure to refer these patients for evaluation. Treatment of primary amenorrhea is directed at the underlying pathology. For example, vaginal outlet obstruction will require surgical correction. Finally, in terms of complications, the one to know is infertility. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 15-year-old girl presents for evaluation of amenorrhea. The patient is concerned that she has not yet undergone menarche, as her friends already have. She denies abdominal pain, weight loss, or a calorie-restrictive diet. Her temperature is 98.8 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.1 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 112 over 68 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 71 per minute. And respirations are 15 per minute. Exam is notable for a non-tender and non-distended abdomen. Tanner stage 4 breasts and the absence of pubic or axillary hair. Public exam reveals a short vaginal canal and no cervix. Laboratory workup is significant for a luteinizing hormone value of 155 milli-international units per milliliter. Estrogen is 450 picograms per milliliter, and testosterone is 100 nanograms per deciliter. A karyotype shows the presence of XY sex chromosomes. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? 
and the choices are 1, complete androgen insensitivity syndrome, 2, imperforate hymen, 3, malarian agenesis, 4, Turner syndrome, and 5, 5-alpha reductase deficiency. The correct answer to this question is 1, complete androgen insensitivity syndrome. So this patient presents with amenorrhea, lack of pubic or axillary hair, developed breasts, elevated luteinizing hormones slash estrogen slash testosterone, and an XY karyotype consistent with complete androgen insensitivity syndrome. To quickly review, complete androgen insensitivity syndrome is an X-linked recessive condition in 46XY genotypic patients in which a defect in the androgen receptor pathway results in decreased expression of androgenic genes. The presence of the sex-determining region Y, or SRY gene, on the Y chromosome blocks the development of internal female sex structures, for example the ovaries, cervix, and uterus, and instead promotes the development of internal male structures like the testes and vas deferens. Due to a low perceived testosterone level, laboratory workup for complete androgen insensitivity syndrome patients reveals an increased luteinizing hormone from the overactive hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis leading to increased testosterone levels as well as increased estrogen from testosterone aromatase conversion. However, due to inadequate androgen receptor sensitivity, patients lack pubic or axillary hair despite high levels of testosterone and instead develop female genitalia with a short vagina and breast tissue. Treatment of complete androgen insensitivity syndrome involves prophylactic orchiectomy for undistended testes to reduce the risk of malignancy, estrogen replacement therapy after puberty, and psychological support. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, imperforate hymen, is incorrect, as this can lead to primary amenorrhea due to an occluded uterine outflow tract by an intact hymen membrane, which is a remnant of the junction of the sinovaginal bulb and urogenital sinus. Imperforate hymen usually presents with worsening monthly abdominal pain and distension from retrograde menstrual blood flow through the fallopian tubes into the abdominal cavity. Answer 3, malarian agenesis is incorrect, as this occurs in 46XX phenotypic females and presents with amenorrhea secondary to improper development of malarian ductal structures, such as the uterus and upper vagina, with normal ovaries and axillary slash pubic hair. Answer 4, Turner syndrome is incorrect, as this occurs in 45XO individuals and results in short stature, web neck, coarctation of the aorta, and primary amenorrhea from underdeveloped ovaries, otherwise known as streak ovaries. Finally, answer 5, 5-alpha reductase deficiency is incorrect, as this affects 46XY individuals and results in the development of male gonads, but ambiguous genitalia due to decreased ability to convert testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. To leave you with a bullet summary, complete androgen insensitivity syndrome often presents as amenorrhea in 46XY individuals with male gonads who have clinical features including external female characteristics like breast tissue, vulva, and short vagina, lack of axillary or pubic hair, and high testosterone slash estrogen slash luteinizing hormone levels. Moving on to the next question, a 17-year-old girl presents to her pediatrician for a wellness visit. She currently feels well but is concerned that she has not experienced menarche. She reports to recently developing headaches and describes them as pulsating, occurring on the left side of her head, associated with nausea, and relieved by ibuprofen. She is part of the school's rugby team and competitively lifts weights. She is currently sexually active and uses condoms infrequently. She denies using any forms of contraception or taking any medications. Her temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 137 over 90 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 98 per minute. And respirations are 17 per minute. On physical exam, she has normal breast development and pubic hair is present. 
a pelvic exam is performed. A urine HCG test is negative. Which of the following is the best next step in management? And the choices are 1, MRI of the head, 2, pelvic ultrasound, 3, serum T3 and T4, 4, serum estradiol, and 5, serum testosterone. The correct answer to this question is 2, pelvic ultrasound. So this patient's clinical presentation is concerning for primary amenorrhea. The best next step in management is to obtain a pelvic ultrasound in order to determine the presence of a uterus. To quickly review, primary amenorrhea describes the absence of menses in a 13-year-old female with no breast development or a 15-year-old female with normal breast development. A thorough history and physical must be performed. Initial labs include a urine HCG, FSH, TSH, and prolactin. Next, a pelvic ultrasound must be performed to determine if the uterus is present as this dictates management. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, MRI of the head is incorrect as this is not needed at this time. She needs a pelvic ultrasound first and a serum FSH and LH to determine if she needs brain imaging. Her headaches are likely migraine headaches. Answer 3, serum T3 and T4 are not needed since a TSH has yet to be ordered and she does not have symptoms of hypo or hyperthyroidism. Answer 4, serum estradiol levels can be variable in a number of conditions and may only be helpful when interpreting FSH levels. The fact that she has normal breast development suggests adequate estrogen production. Finally, answer 5, serum testosterone levels are not needed since she does not have hyperandrogenism and we have yet to determine if a uterus is present. To leave you with a bullet summary, pelvic ultrasound must be performed when evaluating for primary amenorrhea. And moving on to the final question, a 15-year-old girl is brought to the clinic by her mother because she's worried the patient has not yet had her period. The patient's older sister had her first period at age 14. The mother had her first period at age 13. The patient reports she is doing well in school and is on the varsity basketball team. Her medical history is significant for asthma and atopic dermatitis. Her medications include albuterol and topical triamcinolin. The patient's temperature is 98 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.7 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 111 over 72 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 65 per minute. And respirations are 14 per minute with an oxygen saturation of 99% on room air. Her body mass index or BMI is 19 kilograms per meter squared. Physical exam shows absent breast development and external genitalia at Tanner stage 1. Serum follicle stimulating hormone or FSH level is measured to be 38 millinternational units per milliliter. Which of the following is the next best diagnostic step? And the choices are 1. CYP17 gene workup, 2. Estrogen levels, 3. Gonadotropin releasing hormone stimulation test, 4. Karyotype, and 5. Luteinizing hormone levels. The correct answer to this question is 4. Karyotype. So the patient is presenting with primary amenorrhea and an increased follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH level, suggesting a gonadal abnormality and making karyotyping the best next step in management. Primary amenorrhea can be diagnosed if a patient has normal secondary sex characteristics but no menarche by age 16, or if she has no secondary sex characteristics and no menarche as early as age 14. Primary amenorrhea is caused by either hypothalamic-slash-pituitary abnormalities, which are central, or gonadal, which are peripheral abnormalities. Increased FSH indicates a peripheral cause of hypogonadotropic hypogonadism. Karyotyping would be the next best diagnostic step. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, CYP gene workup should be done in patients with primary amenorrhea, 
an absence of secondary sex characteristics, elevated FSH, and hypertension. Alterations in the CYP17 gene can cause congenital adrenal hyperplasia due to 17-hydroxylase deficiency. The resulting excess of deoxycorticosterone is associated with hypertension and hypokalemia. Answer 2, estrogen levels would be low in this patient as evidenced by her absence of breast development. Therefore, measuring estrogen levels would provide no additional diagnostic information. Answer 3, gonadotropin-releasing hormone or GnRH stimulation test would be the next best diagnostic step if FSH were decreased. A decrease in FSH indicates a central cause of hypogonadotropic hypogonadism. A GnRH stimulation test is used to assess whether the central abnormality is due to the hypothalamus or the pituitary. Finally, answer 5, luteinizing hormone or LH levels with a repeat FSH level may be helpful if FSH is low or normal. Low or normal FSH levels indicate hypogonadotropic hypogonadism as caused by hypothalamic pituitary axis abnormalities. To leave you with a bullet summary, in a patient with primary amenorrhea and an increased FSH, the next step in management is karyotyping. That's all for this review about primary amenorrhea. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.